Blue Shirts fans to episode number 70 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. We finally, finally got a chance to watch some New York Rangers hockey last night, and the Rangers come through for us with a 4-2 victory at home against the Detroit Red Wings. A great way to start the second half of the season here as the Rangers look to make their move up their standings and hopefully get back into the playoff picture and maybe even talk the front office into not having fire sale 3.0 again just one game last night but it was a good start a solid 4-2 victory against the Red Wings might have been nice to see the Rangers close with a little bit more authority than they did of course you know they were up 4-0 in the third period they kind of let Detroit get back into it with a couple of goals there but tightened up defensively down the stretch and hung on for the win the Rangers getting goals from Pavel Buchnevich really nice to see him get back on the scoreboard but Buchnevich opened the scoring in the second period and also Chris Kreider Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad also lighting the lamp for the Rangers Zibanejad that was just part of a three-point night for him just just another night at the office for Zibanejad and Igor Shesterkin with another nice game in net for the Rangers. He has played well in all four games that he has started for the Blue Shirts. He is now 3-1 and one and has not given up more than three goals in any of his four starts. So, again, just an all-around solid performance from this team last night. And a huge win as they look to make their move as far as the playoff standings are concerned. And we're going to go ahead and just go, you know, through the periods as we usually do. Just kind of break down the game little by little here. But first, I just wanted to run through the starting lineup because the Rangers shook up the defensive pairings a little bit and then the forwards a little bit as well. But uh, yeah, first game out of the All-Star break, might as well just go ahead and run through the starting lineup. So you've got the uh, familiar top line of Zibanejad centering Kreider and Buchnevich. And then the second line still intact as well. You've got Strom centering Panarin and Faust. And then the third line, Lemieux, Hedl, and Katko. The fourth line, Smith, McKaig, and Howden. And then, again, the Rangers, like we said, kind of shuffling the deck a little bit with their defensemen here. Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba on the top pairing. So Lindgren moves up, and I think very well deserving of a a promotion. He's played very well for the Rangers. There's nothing all that flashy about Ryan Lindgren's game, but he just gets the job done. He's just a rock in the Rangers' own zone. Hasn't been perfect. You know, he is a rookie. He's had a couple of mistakes over here and there. But for the most part, I think he's really been... Maybe the most consistent defensive defenseman, if you will, on the Rangers this season. And David Quinn making a move that kind of symbolizes that, moving him up to the top line there alongside Jacob Truba. And so then the second pairing, you've got Brady Shea moving down a line and pairing with Adam Fox, who actually moves up. And then the third pairing, you've got Mark Stahl with Tony D'Angelo and, of course, Igor Shesterkin in net. And overall, you know, I thought the defense played pretty well in this game because the Red Wings, until the third period, really didn't get much of any scoring opportunities. The Rangers, the, the rink was tilted for the first two periods. The Rangers spent almost the entire game on Detroit's side of the ice, again, at least for the first two periods. And, you know, the cynical thing to say would be like, well, you know, great job. You beat the Red Wings. And there's some truth to that. The Red Wings have struggled this season, to put it as mildly as I possibly can. But this is still the NHL. The Detroit Red Wings still have some good players. They're still a professional hockey team. And you 
have to play well if you're going to win games in this league. It doesn't matter who you're playing. If the Rangers come out last night and they think that they can just take it easy because it's the Red Wings and they have such a bad record and they're kind of lackadaisical and they're not focused and they just kind of go through the motions, then it may not have turned out so well for the Rangers last night, but that was not the case. The Rangers started strong, which that's impressive in and of itself coming out of the All-Star break because, you know, you figure you've been off for a week and a half. It might take like a period, maybe a period and a half to kind of find your game, find your legs a little bit, just kind of find that extra gear. But the Rangers came out hot out of the gates and they got off to a great start in this game. A lot of early scoring opportunities, but just a couple of things to get through here before we dive into the period by period breakdown. First of all, Artemi Panarin back from his injury, and it always sounded like this was kind of a minor ailment that Panarin was dealing with, and of course he sat out the final game before the All-Star break against the Islanders, and it always kind of felt like a situation where it was better safe than sorry. Better have Panarin just miss the one game and then have the entire All-Star break to recuperate rather than throw him out there against the Islanders in a game that you know is going to be very physical. So Rangers erred on the side of caution, and they lost that game, of course, but you know, again, I, I see what they were doing there. You hold him out that one game, and he gets a whole basically two weeks off. And then, of course, he set out the All-Star game as well. Now, with the Rangers, anytime they announce an injury, you're always kind of holding your breath a little bit because they tend to paint a rosier picture than what reality is. But in this case, you know, they said it was a minor ailment. It always kind of felt like it was a minor ailment. And, of course, Artemi Panarin back out on the ice doing his thing, playing some great hockey last night. So that was good to see. And then Ryan Strom... Uh, left practice early on Thursday because he was dealing with an illness. And, of course, he was back in the lineup here tonight. I mean, just one of those things. I guess he was just a little bit sick, and they, they gave him the rest of the day off on Thursday. But anytime you hear something like that, you do kind of hold your breath a little bit because Strom, his name has come up in trade talk. Maybe not as much as some of the other guys, you know, like Kreider or uh, Georgiev, for sure. Maybe Foss a little bit as well. But Strom's name has definitely come up in trade talk. He's a guy that could be moved at or near the trade deadline, and you hear him pulled off the ice for practice, and it's like, it does kind of make you raise your eyebrows a little bit. You wonder if, like, maybe they're, they're, a, a trade is in the works, and they just want to make sure he doesn't get hurt at practice or anything like that, but it sounds like this was pretty legit. You know, Strom just had an illness, and they gave him the day off, and he was back out on the ice in this game doing his thing uh, alongside Artemi Panarin and Jesper Foss on the second line. And the other thing I wanted to do here real quick, is just kind of take a look at the ice time for all six Ranger defensemen. I think it's one of those things. I probably should just pay more attention to this in general and maybe let you guys know what the ice time was after these games. But certainly on a day like today, after they basically shuffled the deck and mix and match all three defensemen combinations, it's certainly a good day to do this, to take a look at the ice time. So leading the way for the Rangers with 22 minutes and 48 seconds of ice time was Brady Shea, followed by Jacob Trubo with 21 minutes and 40 seconds. And then Adam Fox with 20 minutes and 59 seconds, followed by Tony D'Angelo, 18 minutes and 28 seconds, and Ryan Lindgren with 17 minutes and 42 seconds, and finally, Mark Stahl, 15 minutes and 2 seconds. So, and some of this, of course, is influenced by the power play. You know, Ryan Lindgren is not going to be out there on the power play, and that's why I think there's such a discrepancy between his ice time and Jacob Truba's ice time. Truba basically got four more minutes than Lindgren, despite them being on the same line combination. But yeah, I mean, it all looks about right to me. I mean, maybe you could get Lindgren out there for a little bit more time. But and also maybe a little surprising that Brady Shea led the way with 22 minutes and 48 seconds. Although I do think he played uh, fairly well in this game. I know at times I've been a little bit tough on Brady Shea, but I thought he had a strong night. Really, all the defensemen had a strong night. You know, they really limited the opportunities. And of course, Sometimes the best defense is a good offense, and when you're spending as much time on the other side of the rink as the Rangers were, you know, it just felt like 
almost all of this game, especially in the first two periods, like I said, was spent on Detroit's side of the ice. So, yeah, just a strong overall night for this unit here. And so far, so good. Thumbs up for the new uh, the new defense pairings. And then just one other thing that I got to mention here, we've been tough on the Rangers this season for the amount of time that they've spent in the penalty box, and certainly at times they take some undisciplined penalties, but no penalties at all last night, no power play opportunities for the Red Wings. That's good to see. That's just good disciplined hockey, and that's just kind of a reflection of the kind of game that the Rangers played last night. You know, it was it was just crisp in every aspect, and they do a great job avoiding unnecessary penalties. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So we'll go ahead and we'll just kind of go period by period as we often do uh, the day after games. And the Rangers, like we said, they got off to a great start here. A couple of early opportunities. There was a nice little give and go with Buchnevich and Kreider. Buchnevich got a shot in deep, but Howard denies Buchnevich. And he's kind of been snake bit at times this season, but he does break through a little bit later in the game. We'll get to that in just a second. And then Igor Shesterkin with what I thought was his best save of the night. Just an outstanding save against Filipula. And Filipula... Received a pass from behind the net in the slot, and Shesterkin, he saw it coming. He anticipated the play. He moved way up in his crease and makes a great left pad, point-blank save against Filipula. And an aggressive play there, coming out and getting it, not sitting back in the crease. He did what he had to do there, kind of cut down the shooting lanes that Filipula had. And just, again, a great save, steers it aside and keeps the game scoreless. A big save there as well because... You know, it was very early in the game, but the Rangers to this point had had the better of play, and you certainly don't want it to go the other way and give up a chance the other way. And that's another thought that I had when this first period came to an end is, is this game going to go the way the game against the Blue Jackets went? And if you don't remember that one, the Rangers lost that game 2-1. to one. They gave up a goal in the final minute to, uh, to lose in regulation and not get any points. But the Rangers against the Blue Jackets in that game played great for the most part, and they deserved a better result than what they got. And, you know, you, you look at this first period here and, and they get all these opportunities. They hit the post a couple of times and they just can't finish. And then Jimmy Howard made a couple of great saves. He made an incredible save against Philip Hedl. There was a shot that went wide and kind of bounced back in front and it goes right to Hedl. And Hedl tries to, to score short side and Howard just full extension, reaching out with his glove, gets a piece of it and knocks it away. Uh, phenomenal save. Uh, what else can you say? But Bottom line, you're seeing all this happening, and it's like, God, is this going to be another one of those games where we thoroughly outplay our opponents and yet somehow still lose? Unfortunately, that did not end up being the case. Uh, Fun fact about Jimmy Howard as well. I found this out on the uh, Rangers broadcast last night. He wears number 35 because of Mike Richter, and he grew up as a Ranger fan. So a little bit of trivia for you right there as far as, you know, why Jimmy Howard wears 35. 
And then Buchnevich gets another chance. This is a little bit later in the first period at this point, but Shea passes in deep to Buchnevich. Buchnevich redirects the puck on net, and Howard, great reflexes there to make another tough save. And then Panarin hits the post right after that. And again, you know, you add all this together, and you're just kind of hoping that eventually the Rangers can get rewarded for creating all of these scoring opportunities. And just one other play in the first period that I wanted to sort of call attention to that would be easy enough to miss is Adam Fox made a great play. The Rangers are kind of swarming on Detroit's side of the ice, and Detroit's getting close to clearing the puck, but Adam Fox really kind of gambled and won. He moved up from the blue line, kind of challenged the Detroit player there, and just chipped the puck back in. And if he misses the puck there, it could be, very well could be, an odd man rush going the other way. And just a great play by Fox there. It was an aggressive play. It's one where you kind of hold your breath a little bit. But Fox, uh, having a very good season for the Rangers, playing with a ton of confidence, and that was on full display there, that he didn't sit back. He wanted to kind of keep the uh, keep possession, keep the puck in Detroit's zone, and hopefully give the Rangers another chance to set up a scoring opportunity there. So really nice play by Adam Fox there, continuing uh, his strong play this season. So we'll move on to the second period here, and Rangers get an early scoring opportunity. Philip Heedle dishes to Capo Caco in front of the net, and he kind of redirects the puck, but Jimmy Howard coming up with another really nice save there, and that line is close. Heedle, Caco, and Lemieux, I, I really thought they played well last night. They both, Caco and Heedle especially, both coming up with a couple of scoring opportunities. They're close. I feel like it's only a matter of time before they start to break through and start scoring some goals again. Right now, just wasn't meant to be last night. They didn't get on the score sheet. But overall, you know, when they were out there, I thought good things were happening. I thought they were making things happen. Kako got a couple of shots on net. Let's see how many shots for Kako here. Kako with three shots on net, so not bad. And overall, you know, just thought that that line had a strong night. I really think it's only a matter of time before they break through, start scoring some goals here for the Rangers. And hopefully that begins tonight. Again, Rangers will be playing the second half of a back-to-back against the Red Wings in Detroit this time. But then the floodgates kind of open for the Rangers. and. Kreider, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich kind of get the party started. Kreider has the puck in the neutral zone. He springs Zibanejad into the Detroit zone. Zibanejad's moving up the right wing, and at the last possible second, he just kind of throws the puck to his left, right to Buchnevich. Buchnevich is right there on the doorstep. The puck basically crossed the top of the crease, and Buchnevich just tips it home, and Buchnevich, as he scores, he falls to the ice and just crashes into the boards. Full speed, but he probably didn't even feel that because if there's anyone who needed a goal on this team, Buchnevich is the guy. Really happy for him. Don't give up on Pavel Buchnevich. You know, I've kind of been sticking up for him a little bit on this podcast. I think the effort is typically there. It's Again, it's no slam dunk that he's even on the Rangers after the trade deadline this year. He's not as likely to be traded as some other guys are, but I think the fact that he's under contract just makes it more likely that the Rangers will hang on to him through the trade deadline and into next season. But he still has some upside, and I would like to see one more season with the Rangers hanging on to Pavel Buchnevich and just see what he can do. And again, the jury's still out. We'll see if he's going to end up being a cornerstone of this massive rebuild. And then about two and a half minutes later, the Rangers make it two to nothing. They win an offensive zone faceoff back to Adam Fox. And it's funny because Fox almost looked like he didn't really know what he wanted to do with the puck when he first got it. But he basically, he was along the boards. He circled back around at the blue line and he flicked a wrist shot toward the net. Kreider is in the slot. He gets a piece of it and he deflects it home to make it two to nothing. Top shelf, no chance for Jimmy Howard on this one. And what have we been saying? Put the puck at the net and good things happen. And Fox here, and again, it was kind of a weird play where it looked like he didn't quite know what he wanted to do, and he had it just inside of the blue line, and the wings are about to to get some pressure on him and put a body on him, and it was almost like the only option that Fox had at this point 
was just to get rid of the puck and throw it toward the net. And lo and behold, it's a goal. That's 33 tipping goals for Chris Kreider going back to 2015-2016. He has five this year. Uh, The 33 goals, the 33 tipping goals for Kreider going back to 2015 and 16, by the way, is the most in the NHL. And again, I don't know what's going to happen with Kreider. All signs seem to point that he is going to be traded, but I just don't know who replaces him in that role. Who's going to be the guy who's always in front of the net looking for those tipping goals? It's a very valuable thing to have. And part of that is the fan of me speaking that I just want Chris Kreider on this team because I like the guy. He's been a great player for the Rangers for nearly a decade. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's nothing we can do about it. Fingers crossed that, you know, maybe, maybe they can sit down with him and come to some kind of a long-term extension. But given the amount of interest in him, I, I get a feeling he might be a goner. But we'll talk more about that in some future episodes. But Rangers make it 3 to nothing then with 41 seconds left in the first period. And I don't even know how to describe this goal other than just Panarin being Panarin. It was just a great cross-ice pass from Jesper Foss. Panarin receives the pass in the neutral zone. He goes in, just weaves around a defenseman and goes short side against Jimmy Howard to make it 3 to nothing. Panarin with 14 points in his last seven games. So we go to the third period, and in the first minute, Zadina lets it rip from the top of the right circle, but Shesterkin extends upward for another nice glove save, hangs on, does not give up a rebound. Now, Shesterkin wasn't tested all that often in this game, but he was there for the Rangers when they needed him, and that can be impressive too. You know, when you've got a goalie, no matter who it is, when you have to go a long time without really making a save, or at the very least, not having to make any tough saves. You know, they're all kind of routine. And then out of nowhere, you have to kind of extend upward and, and stop a tough shot like this. To me, that that's also impressive because, you know, you're not really into the rhythm and the flow of the game. You kind of, you're a little bit cold maybe, and then, you know, you come up with a save regardless. So nice job by Shesterkin there. Again, I mean, this wasn't like an incredible performance, but he did come through for the Rangers when they needed him. And no bigger save for Shesterkin than that one in the first period. That was just awesome. And so... The Rangers still up 3-0 at this point, and they go on the power play because Abdelkader basically wrestles Lemieux down and slams his head off of the ice, and really, I mean, this could have been a double minor. I'm not going to sit here and scream for a fine or a suspension or anything like this, but to me, the penalty was when he wrestled Lemieux down to the ice, right? I mean, that's holding or whatever you want to call it, roughing, and then he slams his head off the ice. So to me, that's that's two separate things there. That could have been a double minor for Abdelkader, uh, but credit to Lemieux as well because You know, Lemieux definitely plays with an edge out there, has a little bit of a mean streak. He can be a little bit of a hothead, but he didn't retaliate, and he just let the Rangers take their power play, and the Rangers go on the main advantage, and it takes them just 24 seconds to make the Red Wings pay. D'Angelo passes across the ice to Zibanejad, and Zibanejad rips a wrist shot from the top of the left circle, makes it 4 to nothing. so nice to see the power play come through there. They go 1-3 for on the night, and the Rangers coming into this game, and I I don't know if this has changed at all, but they were ranked ninth in the league in power play, and that's about as high as I can remember them being. They've kind of been hovering around like the 12-13 kind of area, Uh, so I was a little bit surprised to see that they were up there to ninth. and I know at times, you know, we can all kind of get frustrated with the power play. I mean, any fan base with their team once in a while is going to get a little bit annoyed if the power play isn't producing. But for the most part, and I've been saying this, I do think the Rangers have looked pretty good on the power play this season. And we as Ranger fans, we certainly know what it looks like and what it feels like to have an inept power play because we've seen plenty of that over the seasons. This is not one of those seasons. The Rangers have a strong power play unit. And it showed here coming through with the goal to make it four to nothing. Less than a minute later, however, the Red Wings get one back. Dylan Larkin wins the battle for a loose puck in the corner. He had a couple of Rangers all over him, but he comes away with the puck, and he dishes 
in front to Robbie Fabry, and Fabry scores from in deep, makes it 4-1 to one. again, less than a minute after the Rangers went up 4 to nothing. And fair game to say, I think the Rangers kind of got outworked here because, again, you know, Larkin was in the corner and he was outnumbered, but he won the battle for the puck and set up his teammate, and just like that, Red Wings on the board. You were kind of hoping at this point maybe Shesterkin would get his first shutout, but just not meant to be on this night. And then the Red Wings make it 4-2, to two, not too long after that, about five minutes later. They work the puck in deep, and Philpola scores with 9.01 remaining to make it a two-goal game, and just way too much space to operate. Shea and Fox were out there. They just couldn't close in time, and you know, the Red Wings make them pay. Philpula scores, makes it 4-2. to two. As we said in the opening, though, the Rangers really kind of tightened up defensively after this. Not too many scoring opportunities for the Red Wings. Maybe in the immediate aftermath of the goal by Philpula, they had a couple of chances, but Nothing that really looked like it was ticketed for the back of the net. And the Rangers, hang on, they win 4-2. to two, And I got to talk about this. Shesterkin shot for the empty net with about 105 remaining. Uh, the Wings knocked it down in the neutral zone, but I swear this puck was going in. If the Wings didn't get a piece of it in the neutral zone, this really might have been going in and uh, would have been a goal for Shesterkin in just his fourth career game. And he actually got another chance with about five seconds left and shot at just wide right. Shesterkin is going to score a goal before it's all said and done. And uh, it may not happen this year, might not happen next year, but he just looks like someone who can handle the puck and someone who, before it's all said and done, like I said, going to find a way to put one into an empty net. He was close here a couple of times, and Artemi Panarin was actually laughing with him about it after the game. So, yeah, but uh, again, you know, a strong win for the Rangers was not perfect. Again, it would have been nice to see them close with just a little bit more authority than they did. But, hey, you know, it's a week and a half off. They come out playing strong, and they took care of business and did what they needed to do and beat the team that they absolutely should beat. And now the challenge is going to be beating them again tonight. Got to beat the same team twice in two days. That's never easy. I don't care if it's the Red Wings or whoever it is. To, to sweep a back-to-back home-and-home on back-to-back days, not an easy task, and we'll see if the Rangers are up to it tonight. Henrik Lundqvist is going to be back in goal for the Rangers. He has not played since January 11th, and he gave up five goals against the St. Louis Blues in that one. So fingers crossed for a bounce-back performance for Henrik Lundqvist. He is not used to going through long layoffs like this, but it's a plus mashup tonight, and hopefully maybe the rest did him some good. You know, he is a veteran player. I mean, I don't know that he wants to be off for three—in fact, I know that Henrik Lundqvist does not want three weeks without playing any hockey, but— Maybe, just maybe, it'll serve him well, and he can come out and play a strong game tonight and lead the Rangers to another win because they got to win this game. And it might sound unfair to demand two consecutive wins in back-to-back days against the same opponent, but it's the Red Wings. They've been just terrible this season, and if you want to get your way back into the playoff chase, then splitting two games against the Red Wings isn't good enough. And the Rangers really got to bear down and find a way to take another two points here tonight and find a way to kind of just do what they did in the first two periods of this game. Because again, the Red Wings did make a little bit of push there in the third period. If the Rangers had a weak period out of the three in this last game against the Red Wings, it was definitely the third period. So hopefully they can just kind of forget about all that and just come storming out of the starting blocks once again here tonight. So we will look forward to that. And the one last thing I want to do here before we wrap up is the trade deadline spotlight. And again, for any new listeners that we might have, we did a special trade deadline two-part episode not too long ago where I took a look at all of the impending Ranger free agents, all eight of them, and ranked them from least important to most important to the Rangers going forward. And that was covered in episodes 62 and 64. And so if you want to go ahead and get caught up on that, I highly recommend checking out those episodes. But 
for now, what we're doing is we're taking a look at other players, not just impending free agents, but other New York Rangers who could be moved at the trade deadline. And today, especially given his recent comments and the fact that he's going to be starting in goal tonight, I'm going to take a look at Henrik Lundqvist. Now, again, I got to preface this whole thing by saying what I've been saying all along, and that is that Henrik Lundqvist has a full new no-move clause. He has every right to use that if he wants to stay in New York with the Rangers. And I'm still very skeptical that he will waive that and accept a move to another team. However, he did make some comments recently that made everybody think that maybe a trade could be coming or that maybe he's a little bit more amendable to waiving that no-move clause than what was previously believed. And he was asked... Now, the weird thing about this video that's been circulating is, conveniently, the question that was asked was edited out of that. But it sounds like from people that were in the room and saw it firsthand... They were basically asking Lundqvist to compare himself to Eli Manning because, of course, Eli Manning just announced his retirement and he spent his entire career with the Giants. And, you know, it's very rare for somebody to play their whole career with one team, no matter what sport it is. And, of course, Eli Manning played in New York, as has Henrik Lundqvist, and Lundqvist has played his whole career with the Rangers. And so I think they were just kind of basically asking him to compare himself to Eli Manning as far as how much it means to play the whole career in New York on one team. And Lundqvist basically said something like, you know, whatever happens, I'll always be a Ranger. And a lot of people took that to mean that he could be traded. Now, it is open for interpretation. It is possible that maybe Lundqvist has been talked to by the front office and that for the right team, the right situation, maybe Lundqvist would at least be willing to consider waiving his no-move clause. I still remain skeptical, but we will see. The whole thing is really contingent on Lundqvist waiving his no-move clause. And you also have to look at it from the perspective of the team that is trading for Henrik Lundqvist because Lundqvist still has a relatively big contract and he's an aging, declining goalie. I mean, I hate saying that, but it's just the truth. You know, he's 37 now. He'll be 38 next year, still under contract next season as well. And so any team that trades for him, I mean, I don't think that there are too many teams that are Stanley Cup contenders right now that are going to trade for Henrik Lundqvist and make him the starter. Now, backup goalie is a position that's more important now than it's been throughout maybe all of hockey because we don't see teams throwing one goalie out there for like, you know, 65 or 70 games like we used to. But yeah, I mean, that's a hefty price to pay for a backup. Just going by what Lundqvist's salary is, not to mention whatever you would have to give to the Rangers in any potential trade. So if you're the Rangers, I mean, the biggest reason you're doing this is to make room for both Georgiev and Shesterkin because they're the two young guys. Shesterkin, obviously the goalie of the future. Georgiev, an impending free agent after the season, but maybe, you know, they could work something out with him and, and move forward with Shesterkin and Georgiev. But for the Rangers, I mean, it would basically just be a salary dump and also a way to give Henrik Lundqvist a chance to chase the Stanley Cup on a team that, frankly, is just far better than the Rangers right now, whether that's maybe the Avalanche. I mean, they've come up in trade talks. It feels like the Rangers and the Avalanche are going to strike some kind of a deal, but we'll see. But as far as other teams he could go to that are cup contenders, I mean, maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, they have not gotten great goaltending. But they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, so I really don't think that they would be looking to trade for Henrik Lundqvist and kind of look at him as the savior. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they're a contending team, and but their goaltending play has been kind of meh. You know, they got Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. They've both been okay. I mean, they give you a chance, but not exactly stellar goaltending for the Oilers right now. Maybe a team like the Coyotes. You know, they haven't exactly... Ronta's been okay for the Coyotes, former Ranger, of course, and, and they've got a young goalie, Aiden Hill, who's been okay, but, you know... Small sample size, just six starts, and the dude's just 23 years old. So, And and maybe from Lundqvist's perspective, maybe the Coyotes would be an appealing destination because 
there are three former Rangers on that team. You've got Ranta, so you know he, he's got his old backup with him. You've got Derek Stepan, who he played with for many years, and Michael Grabner wasn't on the Rangers for that long, but he's there as well. So he's got three former teammates in Arizona. Uh, would that be more appealing to Lundqvist? It's possible. You know, it's, I think him and Stepan were pretty close. So, yeah, I mean, maybe that would be a place that he would want to go. Now, would the Coyotes do this? I don't know, because right now, yes, they are in the playoff picture. If the season ended right now, the Coyotes would indeed make the playoffs. However, they are the second wildcard team. They have 58 points, and right behind them, the Nashville Predators with 55 points. So, are the Coyotes really going to kind of make an all-in move and acquire Henrik Lundqvist, who, again, has a big contract and is declining? But, you know, that's one of the few places where Lundqvist could actually be in the mix to be the starting goalie. So maybe that does make some sense. And, you know, maybe it would be appealing to Lundqvist that he can reunite with three of his former teammates, and at least he's he doesn't have to go into uh, a locker room as a complete stranger to everybody. So, yeah, maybe the Coyotes. Maybe a little bit of a dark horse contender there if Lundqvist is traded. But, again, this is all purely speculation on my part. And this whole thing is contingent on Lundqvist waving his no-move clause. I have not heard him come out and say that, no, I will not waive my no-move clause under any circumstances. I haven't heard him say that this season. So maybe it's possible, but again, I remain skeptical. And if I'm doing the uh, the likeliness of being traded, I'm still going to put Lundqvist at a two. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. And again, maybe the Rangers just want to hang on to him for sentimental reasons as well. Me personally, I would love to see him get traded to a bona fide Stanley Cup contender, Go get yourself a Stanley Cup because Henrik Lundqvist deserves it. And unfortunately, like we've been talking about, by the time the Rangers are really done with this rebuild and really ready to contend again, it's probably going to be too late for Henrik Lundqvist. I think his only shot is as kind of a rental on another team. So by all means, if Lundqvist is willing to waive the no-move clause, the Rangers can go ahead and do it. And But just send him to a Western Conference team. That's my only request. Don't send him to uh, a hated rival like the Bruins or I don't know, maybe the, I mean, they wouldn't trade him to the Islanders. That that really would be sacrilegious. But yeah, send him to, send him to a team that the Rangers don't have any ill will toward and just see if, if the man can get himself a Stanley Cup. It, it would be a great story to see him finally lifting the cup after all these years, even if he has to do it in another jersey. And of course, Lundqvist is going to start tonight. Red Wings have not yet announced a starting goalie, and we will be back to talk about it either Sunday or Monday. And Thanks again for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com and definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.